Football season is here, and we're here to break down the defending black college football national champions, the North Carolina Central Eagles. And the only way I knew to do it was to bring in a former Eagle himself and host of HBCU Nightly, Joshua Sims Sr. Oh, yeah, it's locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor and current contributing writer at USA Today's Saints Wire. And thank you for making this your first listen of the day every single day. I truly do appreciate it. And today's episode is special because we have a collaboration from one of the best hosts out there in the HBCU landscape. His name is Joshua Sims Sr., a.k.a. HBCU Nightly. We'll be breaking down his alma mater, North Carolina Central, and also his own platform and how he was able to pivot from athletics into media. And I have here with me Joshua Sims Sr., better known as HBCU Nightly. You know, you know what? I ain't never met a senior, right? I'm 25, so none of the people I know who have kids are a senior. Is it like a pimp name slick back, a, a tribe called Quest? Do I have to say the whole thing, or can I say Joshua Sims is or is the senior now required now that you have a junior? You know what? Now, my brother, uh, it is it is mostly required. But uh, since I'm here with family, we, we don't got to say the whole thing, my brother. You don't got to say the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here with Joshua Sims, man. Better known as HBCU Nightly. Probably the best Twitter spaces in the HBCU landscape. Undoubted about that. And I'll tell you the first way that I found out who you were. It was when you were saying... Davius Richard is the best dual threat football, I mean, quarterback in college football, right? You didn't give any classification. You didn't get any, any disclaimers. You said Davius Richard is the best dual threat quarterback in college football. And I'm certain that you still feel this way. I want you to elaborate on that statement a little bit though. Yeah, man. Um, um, you know, I had, I've had the unique opportunity to, um, you know, not only play this game, played it all the way through college, played at North Carolina central, um, and then had also the unique opportunity to be a coach in this game as well, man. And, um, you know, I've been an offensive coordinator, been a position coach, been an offensive coordinator. I started off coaching middle school and then went to high school and then went, you know, coached for a, a small stint in college on special teams and then also became a head football coach in the state of North Carolina. So I, I spent most of my time on the offensive side of the ball, you know, as a coach and as a player. And so I can recognize talent and I can recognize what I see on film can easily translate. I, I talk about it all the time, about my football mind still being strong, still being solid. And so when I look at this kid and when I look at this young man, what made me talk about this is specifically where the NFL is going. If you guys, if everybody's paying attention to what's happening in the league, you see a, a onslaught of dual threat quarterbacks coming into the league. A big part of this really, the, the resurgence of this position really started, you know, over 10 years ago at this point, 
Um, but we really starting to see it now with Jalen Hurts and, and Anthony Richardson and these guys, this next wave of dual threat quarterbacks, meaning they have the same ability. They're just as much of a threat with their feet and their legs as they are with their arm. And how I quantify that is, first of all, you got to have the ability to make the throws as a quarterback. You got to be able to sit in the pocket and make the throws, right? You got to have the arm ability, God-given arm ability to be able to make the throws. You got to have the mechanics. You got to have the ability to go through your progressions and make the throws in, in, on the motion and in reads, throughout reads and things of that sort. But then you also got to have the God-given ability to tuck that ball and go when it's time to go. And not only tuck the ball and be ready to go when it's time to go. I'm talking about trying to go get you five, six yards in your slide. I'm talking about really, really be able to make the defense pay with your legs and your feet, with your lower extremities as well as you can make them pay with your upper extremities. And so when I looked at this young brother, it almost became like watching a prospect come into their own self. This brother has been a a, a three-and-a-half-year starter. Um, you know, when he first came to Central, the, you, everybody knows the story. When he first came to Central, he was fourth on the depth chart. and But he was 6'4", 200 pounds when he got on campus. And through attrition and nutrition and hard work and dedication and sitting in the film room and what I believe to be the best addition to the North Carolina Central staff being Matt Leone and all of the coaches that they got on that side of the ball, Coach Moe, Coach Will, Coach Sid, the uh, tight ends coach, all of these guys coming in have helped to develop this young brother into being just as deadly with his feet as he is with his arms. And if you pay attention to kind of how Mike Leone calls his plays, it's very similar. I, I really have a, I have an attrition toward and more of a acquiesce toward because that's how I call plays. It was about being right. able to utilize the sticks and the distance and down in distance to be able to make decisions that may seem kind of like you know, like, why would you call that right there in certain situations? But it's because of what we see up front is what we see, what we've seen from the films, what we've seen from scouting. And no quarterback in all of college football has been able to take advantage of what a defense gives better than what we've seen from Davius Richard. And I'm not talking about just what we saw from the arms because we saw Shador Sanders be exceptional at taking what the defense gives him with his arm last year. He was incredibly exceptional. I expect him to do the same thing when he goes to the Pac-12 this season to take what the defense gives him. Now, what the defense is going to give him may look a lot differently than it did in the SWAC. We'll see. Time will tell. But what we do know without a shadow of a doubt is that when this brother, Davius Richard, tucks the ball or when he's throwing the ball, it is showtime Saturday night. It is premium primetime college football whether he tucks the ball or has the arm arm up in the right position to get ready to throw the ball, he is showtime Saturday night. And I have something I want to tell the entire country, and I'm glad I saved it for your show, my brother, Darren. <laughs> this ahead. brother, this offseason, spent time with probably our second most storied quarterback in all of North Carolina Central history being Malcolm Bell. Hall of Fame quarterback Malcolm Bell now. He spent this offseason working on his throwing mechanics. I, I, I got to say that he spent this offseason working on his throwing mechanics to prepare for this season. If you guys haven't been listening, Coach Oliver said, we're going to turn him loose. How much more can you turn a guy loose who had 45 total touchdowns last year? 17 or 16 or 15 or some of them on the ground? Almost a 1,000-yard rusher? 2,500-yard passer? It's because... We know there's food still on the table for him as a passer. So when I say he's the most dynamic, 
best dual threat quarterback in all of college football, bar none, subdivision none, doesn't matter whether you're playing division one, division two, division three, or you're playing pop one of football on Saturdays. This brother is showtime on Saturday nights, and we'll get a chance to see this brother in a week or so against Winston State. Well, let me ask you this, because there are going to be people, there are going to be people who make the competition level conversation. So I ask you this, because we know that exists, whether or not we feel like it should, we know that that is a real thing. What does Davius Richard need to show to NFL scouts to kind of make that conversation null and void this season? Well, all we call is, you know, different passing, uh, different passing progressions are, are in different tiers. You know, that tier one throw, that tier two, tier three throw, the ability to make the throw inside of space on the sidelines, the ability to be able to look off a defender and come back to a second or third progression. These are things that NFL scouts want to see from quarterbacks in general. I think when you look at a Davius Richard, you have to put him inside of the very same mold that you see from an Anthony Richardson. You see now coming through camp and through the first couple games of preseason, that Anthony Richardson has the ability to make those first, second, third tier throws, knows how to be able to get outside the pocket, make a throw inside, be able to balance yourself in the throw, even coming outside the pocket, has the ability to get his shoulder square to make the throw. I mean, these are all things that I know for a fact the NFL scouts are looking for from Davies. And then to that question about, about com competitive level, listen, the, the task is the task. Football is 11-11, 11 on 11. You know, some states have different, you know, eight on eight from as far as high school, but college football is 11 on 11. And no matter the competitive level, what you look for is to see a quarterback who has the skill and the ability to be able to dominate. And one thing I want to talk about as it pertains to competitive level, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about the difference between FBS and FCS. We've seen quarterbacks go to the league that are FBS and struggle. And they come from uh, this, this high level, competitive level college football. We've seen guys from the FCS go to the NFL and flat out beat out these guys that they said had a higher competitive level. And the reason that is is because skill and ability transfers regardless to what this, the, the competitive level is. Regardless to the subdivision or the division, skill and ability transfer. It's an easily transferable opportunity as it pertains to you going from college football to the NFL. Hence the reason why I got like a Josh Williams, who was a Division II CIAA standout All-American, goes to the NFL his rookie year, and he has an impact on the game. The same thing happens from a quarterback perspective. Do he, does he have the ability to make the decisions? Can he make all tier, all level throws? Does he know when to tuck the ball and go? Is he a physical caliber quarterback? And can he make a play when a play is needed? So you'll go through 12 games this season, and you'll see if Davius Richard can make the throws, can he make high tier three, high tier two, tier one throws? Does he know when to take what's given to him? Does he know when to tuck the ball and go? Can he make his progressive throws? Can he go through his reads? And that's all we need for a quarterback to be able to show to an NFL, to an XFL, to a USFL, to say whether or not he's good enough to be a professional. Yeah, and I'm excited to see what Davies Richard is going to be. He's probably one of the uh, – just going off the top of my head, probably top five players that I'm most interested and excited to watch in 2023. But now I want to get into the team as a whole, because as much as we love Davius Richard, he's not the only person playing. It's 11 on 11. It ain't even one on 11. It's 11 on 11. So let's break down the rest of the North Carolina Central Eagles as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs and Joshua. Let me tell you about some of the best sweats that I have personally ever owned. So I was reading up on bird dogs 
And they said these sweats are extremely breathable. I said, all right, I'll put that to the test. I, I got them. So let's go ahead and put it to the test. I'm in blistering hot Texas. I put those sweats on 103 degrees. Got to put it to the test. I felt like I was wearing shorts. Nothing can block heat. Heat is heat. Hot is hot. Mm -hmm. Shorts and sweats are two different types of heat. And I'll tell you what, when I was wearing these bird dogs, I said, oh, everybody need to get one of these because I felt as if my, my calves and my shins were out. But instead, they were in some really nice colors, had me nice navy blue. I felt good. Warm two days in a row, I was feeling that good. I said, man, I ain't taking these off when I get in the house. I think I woke up at 9 a.m., put them on at 10. I ain't take them off till I went to sleep. These are phenomenal. I suggest you get them. I don't care where you live. You can wear them today, no matter how hot it is. Just go to birddogs.com slash locked on college and bless yourself the same way that I was able to be blessed. As we continue rolling with today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day I have Joshua Sims, a.k.a. HBCU Nightly, here with me to break down his alma mater, North Carolina Central. We've broken down Davis Richard, unquestioned the best quarterback in the, in the black college football. Joshua says he's the best quarterback, dual threat quarterback in college football. But let's break down what's surrounding him. And I want to start off with a question. North Carolina Central wins the MEAC again if fill in the blank. North Carolina Central wins the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference again if our defense is vicious, fast, and undeniable. North Carolina Central wins the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference if our defense is vicious, fast, and undeniable. Listen, it's, it's incredibly difficult to win one. It's even harder to win two, and then it becomes almost improbable or impossible to win three. We're on a quest to win our third Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference Championship in the last seven or eight seasons, second one in a row, and that defense is what's going to have to set the tone. So when you're looking at them, I pose this question, and I wonder if it'll be kind of on a similar side, but I pose this question on Monday's MEAC preview, which I will tag above for those who have not watched it. We look at everything coming back for North Carolina Central, and that's one of the reasons we have such confidence in this team to be good again. But what would be their Achilles heel if something were to go wrong? You know, I asked my same self that question. Um, you know, December Celebration Bowl happened, and I wanted to make it a habit of mine. I wanted to make it a routine of mine to get around campus uh, as early as January. Students came back. Student athletes came back after the semester break had a chance to get on campus and wanted to kind of monitor the heartbeat, see what was going on. There's a sense of complacency that can happen sometimes in programs. You know, after you win a championship, then you go and win a natty. There's a sense of complacency. We've already made it to the mountaintop. You know, we'll, we're ready to go back to the bottom and try to figure it out again. But I, I was almost perplexed. It was as if we had never won a national championship. It felt like as I entered into Coach Oliver's office, I entered into the coaches' offices, I went into the weight room. I mean, these guys, this group of guys and coaches were operating as if they had not played in a national championship game four weeks prior. Then you have the little small distractions that can happen, like a like a, 
a, a tour and and a celebration bowl parade and you got to go to the state house to see the governor and see the house and rep house of representatives and the state house and again as i'm talking to these guys it's like well we just got to go out here to go do some some press we not we don't really even know why we going out here and then the spring came around and it was as if i saw guys fighting and pushing and working with no sense of complacency i mean there were no banners up inside of the room inside of the offices inside of the, the weight room inside of the stadium for a conference championship at the spring game they didn't wear conference championship shirts they didn't wear national championship shirts sometimes what you often see especially because you may have some guys coming on campus to visit during the spring game is it was as if it never happened and then i saw this defense and I saw how nasty this defense is. A couple of guys that didn't get a chance to play and really showcase themselves last season coming back healthy. And I saw how much in all of those post-game interviews, post-spring post game interviews, I was asking them questions, and they were almost like, we didn't win that last year. Mm. The offense did that. We ought to get a certain level of respect, not, not from everybody else. We got to make those guys that's in them rooms across the hall, we got to make them respect us. And so I was like, okay, this is different. Because I can remember the, the effervescent air that was in the room when North Carolina Central lost the Celebration Bowl against Grambling. Not only were we feeling bad for ourselves, but <laughs> we downright just couldn't get it out of our minds. Mm, right. And with this squad, you win a national championship, but you now have a single star up there, and they almost put an asterisk on it themselves, brother, because of the fact that they did not go undefeated in conference. And they dropped that game against South Carolina State. So to answer your question, I think that they figured it out already. They figured out that in the last two seasons, the only team that has beat them inside of this conference is South Carolina State. They right. figured out that they had to share a championship this past season with Howard University. And that has given them all the motivation that they need to not be lackadaisical, to not be satisfied, to not find themselves um, content. content. And so we'll, you'll get a chance to see an even more motivated team this year because they, they've heard all the chirping. They, they're even more motivated than they were this time last year. Yeah, and, you know, I think it's interesting because it sounds like you're saying the – Typical Achilles heel would be complacency, but they're not they're not feeding into that. So you don't think that would be a thing that d does them in. But one of the yeah. things that I pointed to, and it was the one thing I could look at without just going through every single game and breaking down film in depth, the way to be able to answer this as accurately as possible, is the one thing it felt was a little off was pass defense and rushing the pass, or pass defense, and part of that is rushing the passer. So when looking at the defense, and you said they're looking at, the offense, like the offense wanted, what needs to happen to turn defense around? The front seven needed to, to kind of come together. Uh, you know, without question, that back, those back-end guys, those DBs, are probably one of the most fluent groups in all of college football as well. Um, you know, you got multiple All-Americans in that group. Brandon Codgers, and a lot of people forget Brandon Codgers in a couple years ago was an All-American. Um, Khalil Baker, obviously all-world All-American. You know, you have young guys in there like Jason Chambers and Cole Jones and who are in that group. 
as well as others, man, Manny Smith and a, a lot of guys. I mean, there's so many guys in that room. I don't want to start not calling those guys that's in that DB room, but they have so much depth in that DB room that it almost makes people forget that though we could not get passed on a lot other than against Shador Sanders in the Celebration Bowl, though we didn't get passed on a lot, we also didn't do enough up front. And so a lot of that had to do with, with uh, injuries, um, you know, being able to get some guys in to be able to provide some depth was another big question for us going into the offseason this season. And I think they addressed those issues. Uh, but there are some special pieces that have arrived on that campus that I think that the country is going to find out fairly early and definitely often. I mean, you got the Tez, you know, you got the Jaden Taylors. Those guys are going to lead that that interior defensive line. They're going to continue to be men amongst boys. I mean, that's just the fact of the matter. That linebacking core is going to continue to be led by Max Uren, you know, Jacob Brevard, and then they've got an incredible depth there. They got a couple guys that have moved over to the linebacker position that can be, provide some athleticism inside of that linebacker room. And then the ends. I mean, everybody knows that that's our big question. The big question has been about the edge rushers, the guys coming off the edge. Did we provide enough depth this offseason? Did we recruit that? I mean, you're going to have a spot that's going to be not a, a, a top tier, top par group. And so that group was the one that was single single handedly probably pinpointed the most last season and then this offseason. And so th the question is, it, did they do enough in the offseason to do so to make that room a little bit better? And only time is going to tell. Yeah, moving forward, we've discussed the team. We've discussed Davis Richard. And, of course, we could get into more. But we'll see that as the season goes on. Right now, I want to discuss HBCU nightly. And I don't just mean the Twitter handle at the bottom of the screen. but I mean the Twitter spaces and the real media community that you've created for yourself and for others as we continue with Locked On HBCU. And as we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you making us your first listen of the day every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. Thank you. Thank you. And I have my guy, Joshua Sims, here. Now, HBCU Nightly is on the bottom of the screen. Go ahead and follow him. If you're on YouTube, you can do the picture-in-picture -picture mode. You can go to Twitter right now. If you listen on audio and you're not driving, you can go to Twitter right now. Follow him on HBCU Nightly, but it's more than just a Twitter handle. It's more than just a Twitter handle. It's also a show. And I was just wondering what even led you to creating this platform in the first place? Um, Around July of last year, um, you know, I've, I've tried to stay as close to our program, as North Carolina Central program as possible. Um, had a chance to come inside of the, um, the football facility there in North Carolina Central. And, uh, you know, came up the steps and, and saw Coach Oliver and uh, a gentleman who played back in the 70s just sitting there talking. They were chopping it up, sitting in the recliners, man, and they were just chopping it up. And, you know, I just kind of sat down, had my son with me. We sat down and we just kind of listened. You know, you know, the guy asked me, the gentleman who played back in the 70s, he asked me, when did you play here? I told him I played from 09 to 2012 and, you know, where I lived. And we kind of caught up and talked about it. We talked about some of the people that we knew in common. Um, and, and I asked Coach, this is, you know, just kind of right off the cuff. I said, Coach, how many guys are here right now? And it was July, second session of summer school. And he said, well, uh, we've got about 90% of the team here, and the other 10% of the team will be here next week. Um, they all just kind of – these are the guys that are traveling from outside of the state who wanted to get that last vacation in with their family. And I'm like, 
wait, 90% of the team is here. It's like, yeah, 90% of the team is here. And so I went home and just thought, and I, I started to put out some tweets, man. And, and you know, uh, one of the guys who played a few years behind me, he was like, man, just strike up a show, man. Talk about what you saw, what you just observed. And I was like, okay, cool. And and I, I recognized that there were a few platforms that were that were open and, um, you know, that hadn't, you know, hadn't built a community yet. And I, I just struck up, man. I, I struck up a show, man. And then I said, shoot, I'm going to just call this thing HBCU nightly, man. We're going to get on here and we're going to talk ball. We're going to talk like we do barbershop style. And after a while, man, I started to notice that people loved having those type of conversations. And I coined it as the unapologetic HBCU perspective, um, being willing to have the conversations from an HBCU sports perspective, because this is the most dynamic group of institutions, I believe, that exist inside of the country, man. Um, you know, we're coming up on almost 200 years of historically black college and universities being in existence over 100 years. I'm coming up on over 100 years of HBCU football being played. And for guys like myself and guys like yourself who just flat out love this game, man, uh, there needed to be a perspective from a guy, from people who who played the game, who coached this game and really could be able to give an inside perspective of how this game, the inner workings and the intertwining components of this game from guys who, man, who bled in this thing, man. And I got all types of war wounds and body parts that, that'll never be a hundred percent ever again because of what I gave to myself in this game. And because of what I gave to this version of the game being the HBCU sports. And so um, HBCU nightly is, is absolutely a show. I appreciate your love on that brother. Cause you have no idea how much it means to me to hear my contemporaries and my associates and friends in this industry recognize this and understand that this is a show. And it is even more than that, a community. Um, you know, there's so much more that we're going to be doing. There's so much more that we're going to try to accomplish together as a family, but it's all about us bridging this gap. It doesn't matter where you are, what company you work for inside or what company you work with or what brand you started, what brand you created, what idea, what media brand you created or work with. If you are inside of this community, we're going to love you regardless. And that's what this is about. It's about love. It's about us coming together to be able to have these conversations week in and week out and showing how strong we are together. And so week in and week out, man, whether it's the thousands and thousands of people who listen to the show across all our platforms, um, we really, really do appreciate it. And uh, we're going to continue to keep doing this thing, man. As my brother Banks, as my brother Busy Banks said, as we proceed, we're going to continue to keep giving everybody what they need. So we really do appreciate the love. Yeah, man, you've created, a, a, I believe, a truly unique culture in a way that of all the platforms, of all the shows, this is, I would say, the most interactive, the most community-focused HBCU media show out there that I, I have seen where anybody can come in, they can chime in, you know, and, and it's been fun. And I'll ask you this. We have new media versus old media. It's a conversation, you know, the the Draymonds and the, and the Stephen A's, you know. You're a former player, so I, I don't know where you would fit in this, seeing that I guess the new media seems to be active players. I, I don't know. But I'll ask you this. How does your playing days affect your media style? And you can answer that in any kind of way that you want to take it. Yeah, I, I, so I, I consider myself new media. And, and the reason why I consider myself new media, there's a handful of tenants that I talk about with our partners, our crew and contributors, and, and everybody has heard it. You've heard me say it on the show 
these tenets or, or dictate the, the perspective and the way that I, I orchestrate my media style. The first being that we are human, so there's natural bias. I don't run away from the bias, but I have the ability to walk and chew gum at the same time. I can be right. a super fan of my institution while also covering the game from an institute from a non-institutional perspective, but being able to focus on the game itself. The second thing that I believe, the second tenet that allows for me to be new media is I separate the institution from the sports, where it is traditional media in a lot of ways. They kind of find a way to wedge the institution in the sports. You'll see it a lot of times in other places. I don't want to kind of focus on those things. But what we do here at HBCU United is we separate the institution from the sports. The third thing is, is this. It's never a bad time for us to get into football talk and really get in depth and get into different things. One of the things I did on this show, which I'm going to enjoy, brother, anytime you want me to come out, I love the fact that you let me kind of talk about it from a coach's and a player's perspective because that's a bit of my style. That's a part of my style that as you grow a media brand, sometimes you have to pull that back a little bit and you have to be willing to have conversations about things that you may not be so familiar with or you have to let other people lead the conversation. And so that's something that I'm still getting used to, but it's never a bad time and it's never too good of a time for us to be able to get into football talk. And that last tenet is that we are all family. This is 100 plus community. So whether you attended an HBCU and graduated from HBCU, sent a child to a historically black college or university, or you financially support a historically black college or university, you are allowed to be in these conversations and we want you to have these conversations. And that last tenet that goes along with that is if you disrespect those four letters, I have absolutely no problem from a media perspective letting you know about yourself. And I will do that in as many means and ways as possible, whether that's on the live show, whether that's just through conversation, to be able to let you know, because disrespect to those four letters, which I believe to be the most impactful institution that black people have created inside of this country since the beginning of our time here inside of this country, it is the most impactful. I believe it's the most impactful. And so I cannot allow for anybody to deter or deteriorate or disrespect those institutions. Man, and it's been a joy. It's been a joy. I hope to be able to do this again sometime during the season, hopefully a couple of times during the season, break down North Carolina Central. I was recently accused of having a North Carolina Central bias. Um, I don't know where that came from. They see my TSU flag behind me. But Listen, you know what? Ain't nothing wrong it with it. It is what it is. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong <laughs> Don't with lean that. into this. Listen, I love that. WWE. I love WWE. And every good heel has to know when to lean into their gimmick. So if I'm going to be a North Carolina Central bias, Let's go, Eagles. I I will let them have it, all right? But I appreciate you, Joshua. Sim, Senior, we're going to treat it like a Tribe Call Quest and say the whole thing, put some respect on his name. Yes, HBCU sir. Nightly on Twitter. Um, HBCU Nightly, I think, on Instagram as well. I got to make sure I get out there and follow you. And HBCU Nightly is the platform you need to go ahead and watch. And I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day and checking out this collaboration. Until the next time they hear each other, family. Take care. Stay blessed. Peace.